Hey everybody, welcome to the Fearlessly Authentic Podcast, episodes aimed at presenting truth in a fearlessly authentic way. I'm Jerry, and we're looking at the series, The Dangers of Distraction. And today we're going to look at part two of the distraction of pride. So get your Bibles open, turn to Judges chapter 14, and we'll look at the last message of this series called The Distraction of Pride, part two. And, and, and here, here's the thing, um, my loved ones who want to play with the world. The world will only play with you as long as it holds the cards. But the minute the cards aren't in their favor, they will turn and burn you quicker than you ever thought. And you'll be left without the world friendlies and without your Christian friendlies because you jettisoned them. And now you're all alone. What are you going to do? Then you're calling me on a Thursday night. I don't know what to do. I'm at the Echo Lodge and I don't have any money and they're going to throw me out and be homeless. Really? Because that's what the world will do. Now, it's fun up to that point. Come on. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. Let's not be pious, goody two-shoes, you know, walking around like, oh, I, oh, oh, no, no, not me, not me. No, no, it's super fun. Up to the point to where now the tables are turned. And look at this. The world is even turning on one of their own. Because the world will not go down without a fight. So... It's an, what I call an underhanded request. I have this written down. The world will sink as low as they can go to get what they want. Okay? Notice the harm that Samson put his new family in because of his ungodly dealings with the world. They say to her, entice. The word entice, we want you to seduce him. Now, I don't have to go into that, right? What a wife can do to her husband in a seducing way to get what she wants. Many a marriage is ruled that way. You don't, you don't let me do this. Well, guess what? No honey on the biscuits tonight. Well, that's a great way to live. But the sexual draw is so powerful that many a man go, okay, okay, okay. So, Samson's lustful eye was so obvious that they knew how to win the bet. They knew that he wanted her so bad that he would give up anything and tell any secret, which is kind of what got him later on with that little girl, I don't know, what's her name? Delilah? Listen to what Solomon told his son in the Proverbs right there at the beginning. He's my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Verse 16, Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me. And lovest me not. <laughs> now, okay. From a guy's perspective, we're looking at this. We're like, boo-hoo. You know, it's like the Grinch. Boo-hoo-hoo. All these little hoos down there. All boo-hooing. Because they have no hoo-hash. And, you know, you, just, you know, you can just see that, you know. And we're all looking at this. All the ladies are like, oh, this poor girl, this poor girl. No, 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 no poor girl. Okay. She's using manipulation to get her way. Look, guy, look ladies, if you manipulate your husband... Good luck. Good luck, because one day they will not take that anymore. You're not to manipulate your husband. Well, I know if I say this in such a good way, I'll get the response I want. That's not the way to live. That's not the way. It may work, but it's not the way to live. You aren't impressing the Lord. You may get your way, but you're not impressing the Lord. There's no well done, thou good and faithful servant if all you did was manipulate your spouse the whole time that you were here on this earth. So, she says, 
Thou dost hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of, of my people and hast not told it me. And he said to her, Behold, I have to not told it my father nor my mother. And shall I tell it thee? I didn't even tell my mom and dad. Shall I tell you? It's almost like, he want, it's almost like I hear him saying the word he calls her later. Should I tell you, heifer? So that, what? Uh, later on, he says, If thou had not plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. This is the woman that he couldn't wait to have. You say, well, that's just Old Testament. There's no Old Testament um, culture or characteristic of an Israelite that would call his bride a heifer. <laughs> well, that's just the culture. That's us. No, it's not. I've studied the culture. There isn't a culture. I can't find a culture where calling your wife a heifer is a good thing. <laughs> I haven't found that one yet. Like, they may do it, but it isn't a good thing, and it isn't a good culture. I haven't found a culture where women are like, oh, oh, I'll tell you what. You might, your husband might call you sweetie baby. He might call you, you know, honey this or honey buns or whatever. But when my husband calls me heifer, woo, it just does it for me. <laughs> I, no, there isn't anywhere in the world that heifer is a good thing to call your wife. So he's all mad at it. What? And she's like trying to manipulate him. See, temptation will do the same thing to us. It will unceasingly entice us until we give in or get the victory. Christ sympathized with us under, under our temptation. He says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be tempted or touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. He understands it. Christ is able to help us. In that temptation, he says, for in that he himself had suffered being tempted, he's able to succor or to give aid to them that are tempted. He makes a way of escape, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. But look at this ranting that's going on. Look at this interchange that's going on. This is, this is the honeymoon night, if you will. I want to know what your honeymoon night was like, because that should just be between you and your loved one, but I hope it wasn't you calling her heifer and she trying to manipulate you to get you to tell her a riddle that you told someone at the wedding party so that she doesn't get 30 chains of sheets and 30 chains of garments. I hope that wasn't your wedding night. This is, this is this great way for this relationship to start off. And what, what's going on? Lust is coming home, and the seed planted earlier is now starting to sprout. Apathy toward the Lord, sprouting everywhere. Pride, sprouting everywhere. Sprouting everywhere. Sprouting everywhere. And then look verse 17. And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted and came to pass on the seventh day that he told her because she lay sore upon him and she told the riddle to the children of the people. I call this the unadvisable response. Now it says that she lay sore upon him. The word lay sore, it means a strong inner motivation or great external pressure. Great external pressure. What did she use? She used her pressure of her position in the marriage to get him to tell her what she wanted. Now, why did she do that? Because her people said to her, if you don't tell us the riddle, we'll burn you and we'll burn your family. Okay? So I'm thinking, if I even get the riddle for you people, you threaten to burn me and my family. Do I have much hope after that? The world is crumbling around these people. And the world is crumbling all around people today who are being distracted by these things. 
thinking that somehow their life is going to work out and the world is just crumbling around them. And we can see it just crumbling, 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 crumbling. But they can't see it. And sometimes we don't see it in our own lives. Let's talk about ourselves. Sometimes we can't see that our own lives are crumbling all around us. Sometimes as parents, we're blind to the fact that our kids' lives are crumbling all around us because we just don't want to see what we need to see. We don't see that our marriages are crumbling all around us because we just think that somehow if we pray and read the Bible, it'll get better. It won't. By just doing that. I like what Micah says. Micah says this in, in chapter 7, verse 5. He says, Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. Now that isn't like advice. Okay. That's just stating a, a fact. Samson is distracted by lust and pride and apathy. He told his wife the answer to the riddle. This won't, be an an this won't be a lesson that Samson ever really learns. And then we come to verse 18. And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? Gotcha. Gotcha. You know what I find that's true in life is that as big as you think you are, there's someone out there who can knock your block off. I mean, we may think we're as toughest as we can, but you know what? You get out there and there's someone's faster, someone's better, someone's quicker. There's someone out there who's going to knock your block off. Now for fun, this isn't too godly, but for fun, I sometimes like to sit back and watch that. So I'm like, watch this guy. He's going to get labeled. Because he's been walking around all day on the field thinking he's something other than that. And they've been, they've been watching, they've been watching. He's been cheap shot and been cheap shot. And he's going to get his. I said, watch this. And then, bam! He gets labeled. And they're like, whoa, how did that happen? What happened? Uh, pride. Apathy. Lust. Samson just got schooled. In fact, Samson's out of his league. As tough as this guy is, he's going to carry gates and he's going to do all kind of, man, you know, foxes and all kind of crazy stuff. He is out of his league. And you are out of your league when you try and play the world's game the way the world wants to play it. you got to hit it with biblical truth. And when you're tempted, you got to hit that with biblical truth. you got to hit it, you got to hit it, you got to hit it, you got to hit it. Well, I, I, know, I don't know, I don't know. I, hit it with biblical truth, hit it with biblical truth, hit it with biblical truth. What will preserve you? Sound doctrine. Not how I feel, not, oh, I need someone to come along and hold my hand and just tell me that it's okay to feel the way. No, I need someone to come along and say, wake up. No, we don't do it this way. It's not how Christians act. It's not how we believe. We don't, we don't play it that way. That's not how we do things. Come on, where's our integrity? Where's our convictions, if you will? Are we just going to just sit back and allow the world to run the game? No, have we forgotten we, we, we are on the winning side? And that we have at our exposure, remember I told you this, we have at our exposure the same spirit that parted the Red Sea is now living inside of me? That's the same power that we have. So, so what temptation is coming at you that you can't overcome? But you have some, don't you? Come on. You have some trials that you're going through. You have these things going on. You've got to apply. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Thank you, Sherlock Holmes. 
No kidding, it's hard. Of course it's hard. No, nobody said it was going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to take what we call spiritual sweat to be able to overcome these things and to be able to say to the world's philosophy, no, no. As for me and my house, what? We were going to serve the Lord. And I don't care if the guys down the street do that. And I don't care if someone at church does that. And I don't care if Brother Billy lets his kids walk all over the jungle, Jim. We're going to serve the Lord. Now, so they come to him and they say, <laughs> So, Mr. Smarty Pants, Mr. I Want My Woman, Mr. 30 Sheets, I hope you got them, Mr. 30 Change of Garments, I'm looking forward to seeing what you got. Honey, Lion, what say you? says here and he said to them if ye had not plowed with my you say it <laughs> man she, she was standing nearby okay so her own people are gonna burn her if she doesn't do what she wants to do she has to seduce her husband in order for it to i mean she could have said hey samson you know that really you told yeah well let me tell you what they came to me and I said, they're going to burn me and they're going to burn my family. Okay? So, do you think maybe you could just tell them the riddle and, you know, that would be good to go? You think maybe you could do that? And we could, like, move on. Okay? I mean, Samson, 30 sheets, 30 change the garments, or me and my family. What are you going to be? Why didn't she just do that? Did you ever think about that? What kind of relationship had already been established where she couldn't even come and be honest on what's going on? Because, I mean, if he really loves her, he says, oh, honey, you know what, I, I, was, you know, I was wrong. Don't you think he might say, you know what, honey, that was really, I was just, I was kind of, you know, with the guys. You know how we get around with the guys. And, you know, I, I really, you know, shot off my mouth. And, and I don't they, they've taken this way too far. And uh, I'm just going to go tell them that, you know, here, here's the riddle. And, you know, you guys win. And here's your 30, you know, because I love you. But he didn't love her. That's the whole point. He didn't love her. And the thing in the world that you're going after that you think that you love, you don't really love. You lust it. You want it. You need to have it. It is very much like Tolkien's Gollum in The Fellowship of the Rings, where he goes after that ring. That ring he knew would destroy him. In fact, he had conversations with himself about how it would destroy him. But he couldn't give it up. And eventually it did destroy him. Why? Because... When you go after those lusts, they always will destroy you. They always will destroy you. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. Samson makes a point of describing to the men how, they, how low they went to have victory in this area. Now, again, he calls her a heifer, and he's using an agricultural thing. A heifer can't plow, you know. They haven't been taught. They haven't been broken in. They're inexperienced. And so you, he says, you came on this unknowing young lady to do something that she didn't have any knowledge of the consequences. And, you know, he's trying to pull it off on something like, oh, she was so innocent. She's not innocent in this. She knew what was going on. She knew what was going on. And so the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he went down to Ashkelon. And he slew 30 men of them. And took their spoil and gave change of garments unto them which exposed the riddle. And his anger was kindled. And he went to his father's house. 
But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as a friend. There's so much wrong with verse 20. So in their culture, or, or so what happened, Samson gets mad. I call it the high cost of the wager. So he goes there. Say, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Mm-hmm. Give him strength. What was he doing? Well, was he killing him for the right motive? Say no. Could God use that for his motive? Yeah. See, God hasn't given up on Samson at this point. And maybe that's for you today. No matter how far you've gone down this road, God hasn't given up on you. He still has a plan for you. He still wants to work things out. As bad as Samson has messed up his life, he hasn't messed up to the point of never being useful. You know, we talk about this idea of being set on a shelf, set on a shelf, all that person set on a shelf, and we, they do the minor, most minor thing, we go, you're set on a shelf. <laughs> Maybe you want to read the Bible. People have been let, left in service for doing, I mean, David, <laughs> the man over, after God's own heart, had sexual relations with his best friend's wife and then killed his best friend, tried to cover it up, and God says, oh, this is a man after God's own heart. Ow. So I don't know what you've done in your life that thinks you're not set on the shelf. And don't let the, the, the wah, 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 wah people who don't care one bit and only want to wah, wah, wah tell you that you're done. Because you're not. So you just find a place where you can serve. You just find a place where you can do what you can do. So what did he do? He killed 30 men and used their clothes to pay the bet. Here's your filthy clothes. I mean, they're bloody now, right? But verse 20 is really what I want to close on. Samson's wife was given to his companion. I call the hidden cost of the wife. Samson went back to his father's house, left his woman, just got married. So you know what we see here? Samson hadn't learned the, learned the lesson of pride yet. He just got married. There was, in, in, in them, plowing with his heifer, it didn't negate his marital responsibility to her. It didn't even ruin the marriage. But he's so angry, he goes, kills 30 men, brings the bloody garments, lays them at their feet, and hightails it to his daddy's house. His wife's standing there, what do I do now? Well, in that culture, once you're married, you know what, you're not, you, 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 there, there, there was no, like, go get a job. Women didn't work in those days for income. They were property. So all of you women who kind of think Christianity is like the one that is put, if it wasn't for Christianity, you'd be property. Christianity is the one who lifted you up as the princesses of the king. So she had no one to be with, and so her dad does the most uh, normal thing in that culture is, well, if Samson won't be that, I'll give it to, give it to his best friend. So now she's the wife of, her best friend, of his best friend, his companion, let's just say. But please notice what he says, whom he had used as his friend. Every word in the Bible is important, and that means exactly what it means. He used him to get what he wants. Now, Samson is in the hall of faith. Why? I don't know. It'd be like voting for some guy who never did anything right and say, okay, let's put him in the hall of fame. Why? I mean, you think about all the baseball teams and all of the football teams, and you know, there's like millions and millions of people who played the games, but you know, this many people are in the hall of fame. And you think of all the Christians who lived, all the people you could have talked about in the Old Testament. I mean, because there's some really great people that weren't mentioned there. Yeah. 
right? I mean, the guy who went into the pit on a snowy day and killed the lion? I think that's pretty Hall of Fame type stuff, right? You went into on a snowy day into a pit with a lion, you came out and the lion's dead? You're my vote. Samson? No. But he's there. Okay? Because God had a plan, and God has a way that's different than ours, and God's not done with you. Just don't get distracted. Father, help us now as we close this up, and just help us, Lord, to follow you, your guidance, Lord. Help us to learn these lessons from Samson, not just to learn them biblically or intellectually, but, Lord, we'd apply them in our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Lust, apathy, and pride are three things that can distract you in your Christian life. Well, that concludes our series in the dangers of distractions. We hope that it was an encouragement to you. And if it was, we hope that you would share a link to our podcast on your social media. Well, we'll see you next time on another episode of Fearlessly Authentic.